You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 199 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is David. I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. Sadly, no Andy this week, but we're going to make sure he's tied to his chair ready for the next big episode, because it is, of course, episode 200. It's a so, big episode, isn't it? That's, it that's, that's a few episodes we've done then, isn't it? It's, it's well, how, just, how many hours of podcast is that? That's a question for oh. the uh, the next quiz, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, we've got a big milestone, but we do have episode 199 to get through first. And we actually have quite a lot to talk about this week. Um, we've, we've got quite a few new releases. Uh, for example, Matt, I believe you have the new rules set for Aeronautica, but set in the Horus Heresy. Yeah, it's the, 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 and it's a mouthful, this one. Warhammer, the Horus Heresy, Aeronautica Imperialis, mm. uh, which is exciting. We've also had the Arcane Cataclysm box, new battle box, pitting the Lumineth against the Disciples of Zeech. So we'll be talking a little bit about all things... Elfie and Zinchi. And then finally, this this last weekend, I went to a Throne of Schools Tempest of War event at Warhammer World. Let me, I'll go. So we'll be talking about that. And before we move on, Dave, I've got I've got, I've got a formal complaint from a from a from a regular listener. Mm-hmm. He uh, he knows who he is, but he's uh he he's, <laughs> he put in a, a very serious complaint up to one side, like oh. I'm 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 disappointed. Dave's getting a bit slack with the old uh, the old podcast. <gasps> I hope we can reassure people that episode 201 onwards, they're going to be like super speedy out the door, aren't they? Yes, they they are. So the the reason for that has mainly been um, these are excuses, been, aren't they, Dave? These, just, these just aren't, before we start, these are excuses. Absolutely, absolutely okay. not ex- not excuses. Um, there's been a couple of audio issues and um, because of certain people's internet connections that then <laughs> editing takes a little bit longer than normal but actually episode 198 was late because i was playing around with some features in audition didn't realize i changed how they exported so i was getting increasingly frustrated that i wasn't getting um what i needed to upload onto our, our podcast host and it transpired it was my fault so um yeah i do apologize um th- th- this this one will be going out on time because it has to because i'm going on holiday um <laughs> and um <laughs> from now on i will I'll do my very best to get them out the, the day after the podcast is recorded so hopefully no more issues um will be will be settled back in no more tinkering with audition no more tinkering no oh, that's a shame <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, we also have, of course, uh, this week's top three, which is, um, well, we've got Into the Dark coming out soon. Uh, it's the latest Kill Team box set. So we're going to be asking each other what Kill Teams we'd like to see in the game. And of course, as always, we've opened the floor to the community as well to let us know which Kill Teams they'd snap up should they become available to play within the game game yeah these these like dream kill teams as well so you can mm. get crazy if you want to yeah so, can you like uh, mix and match like i'd take an Eversor assassin a unit you know a flash git maybe <laughs> maybe the, 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 the dream team yeah as long as you have an awesome team name that makes it work <laughs> then absolutely okay i'll have a think 
Um, so yeah, we've got all that to come, and of course, all of the latest news as well. We've got a nice um, lot of pre-orders uh, coming up this coming weekend. So uh, so yeah, quite quite a bit to talk about. And um, before we get stuck into all of that, though, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. Um, I'm going to start us off this week because it's going to seem like it's been quite a quiet week for me because it's mainly been taken up with painting storm vermin um now whereas i can throw out a clan right in no time these are actually taking me a little bit longer than i anticipated and it is putting me a little bit behind on schedule um yeah yeah i'm not panicking though because i did build into some contingency uh if i was gonna fall behind and i am actually currently on holiday um so i have got a, a couple of extra days to get some painting done so i do plan on catching up but they, they i mean the cool models they they're just um a little bit more um there's a little bit more to them than i first imagined uh, and i want to make sure they look cool as well because these guys are going to be protecting my grace here so um they need to look the part um so yeah they've been mainly taking up my time and um, the only thing i've been doing between painting rats because it's, it's quite a big job batch painting rats um, is I decided, well, I mentioned last week that I'd sprayed and built up uh, an Infernal Master and Grandmaster Voldus from the Grey Knights. So I have, in fact, been painting said Grandmaster Voldus. Um, he's been sprayed. Um, I've tried to be super careful on his wash, dry brush, and I'm starting on the red details, like his, his um, Storm Bolter casing and the cape. Um, however... Just before recording this week's podcast, I accidentally snapped his hammer. So um, I do actually need to do some repairs on him before I do any more. Um, you mean so, working on a conversion? Working on a conversion, yeah. Slightly tilting the hammer the other way. Um, so, um, so, yeah, that's... Maybe that's... it'd be like, um, what do you call it, a force hammer. You can, like, detach it and throw it, and it comes back. See, I was like... thinking more uh, Timmy Mallet and a big, like, bow <laughs> hammer. The, the problem with your idea, Jay, is it snapped um, below his wrist. So I don't think when Thor throws his hammer, conversions a bit better, Dave. he uh, froze his wrist as well. A little bit <laughs> creepy. Um, so, yeah, that's that's me, really. That's that's my hobby output for the week. Um, Jay, what have you been up to? I'm trying to think about now. So, um, yes. Yeah, so last week I was painting up uh, my first Lumineff model for a long time, actually um the the new Sonari enlightener who is the lumineff character from the um arcane cataclysm box that's up for pre-order now um she's a new um wizard because that's what the lumineff needed another wizard but mm-hmm. actually she's really really cool i really really like her so the model first is uh, one of my favorite lumineff heroes i mean if you look at the lumineff range they range they've got some really great heroes from the the, the lord regents on the um on the mount Alfarian, of course, was a breathtaking model when that was first released. But even the basic mages like the Stone Mage and the Caffala, they do look quite special. And the um, Scenario Enlightener carries on in that mold, I think. She's very nice. Um, She comes with two different sort of head options. So you can equip her with like a bare, unhelmeted head, or she's got a fancy helm you can put on. I built mine without the the helm. A lot of the Lumineff have got fancy helms, so I quite like the idea of one not having a helmet. And in my mind, she looks a bit like a sort of um, a D&D party member. I could definitely yeah. see myself using her in like Age of Sigmar Soulbound or something to represent my character. Mm. That's a really good idea, Jay. I, I I really want to get on that, actually. Yeah, um, she's really, really nice. Um, 
she obviously you get a you get a uh, war scroll card in the box as well and her rules are, are, are pretty nice as well i think i won't go over the whole whole war scroll um but but i definitely like her um deep thinkers ability um so this is once per battle in your hero phase when this unit attempts to cast its first spell that phase it is automatically cast with a casting roll of nine that cannot be modified but it can be unbound so so once per, per battle you can automatically get that spell off on a nine and the lumineth can throw out quite a lot of spells so you can use this to really catch your opponent off guard if he's expect you know if he's holding some dice back to try and dispel one of your spells and then you, you, you use this ability to, to like quite high value in nine um and she's also got the um rune of Enif- nfl and and i i don't know some special rune that she's holding um <laughs> which is once per turn if she successfully casts a spell from the laura heesh and it's not unbound you can roll a dice and on a free plus you can resolve the effect a second time which i think is Ooh. awesome because it allows you i normally take techless in my army because i like the protection of techless spell which is like a five plus ward save in a bubble around techless really really cool um <clears throat> You can now potentially take a scenario enlightener with the protection of Heesh, which is the same sort of spell, but it just targets one friendly Lumineth unit. But on a free plus, of course, you can now target two friendly Lumineth units to sort of, um, you know, try and replicate Teclis's, um, you know, bubble effect that he's got. So I, I think the scenario enlightener is going to find her way into quite a lot of Lumineth lists. I'm really impressed with her. Well, excellent. That sounds really um, cool. Yeah, so that's the that's the Lumineth aspect, and it was really really fun actually to paint some Lumineth again. The Lumineth are, I'm like ninety percent certain I'll be taking the Lumineth to the Path to Glory um, narrative event that we're going at Warhammer World in October, um, and I like this model so much that I'm thinking about using her as a base to represent my general through the through the weekend's campaign. Um, uh-huh. So so we'll see. Um, I, I mean, she's carrying that little baby rune. I'm wondering, there's some of the endless spells with Lumineths there's lots of runes on them things i'm wondering whether i can do something with the rune growing in size or growing in power over the course of the weekend we'll see um as well as the lumineth i've been continuing to work on the legio custodies um and i think last time on the podcast i'd finished my caladius grav tank um and i was working on my aquilin terminates well i finished the aquilin terminators now as well so this was the putting putting that same sort of scheme onto an infantry model um, and actually, I'm, I'm quite happy with how they've turned out. Um, they definitely look a bit more sort of old and antique sort of gold armor compared to my um, 40k custodies that I've got painted. Um, and that's that's me done for the week. Yeah, I really like this new scheme you've got for custodies. They they do look really worn and sort of they've been they've been pre- protecting the emperor for for a fair while. Yeah, they've been battling the, in the webway. So uh, I, it, yeah. on front of me now, I've, I, just before the podcast, I was putting down the first coat of gold on the um, Coronas grab tank, which is like the transport for the custodians, like a like a brick of a tank. Really, really nice model. Excellent, brilliant stuff. Uh, that just leaves you, Matt. What what have you been up to? Uh, I I've been painting all sorts of stuff this week. Um, so I've been working on the Centaurian Marshal for Warcry. Uh, Warcom very kindly sent us a, a free copy of this to do the review that is up on the website and on YouTube. And I've got to say, he's a big boy. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was quite surprised at how massive he is. Um, yeah, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous model. Um, I, I mean, I like, you know, centigors and stuff like that. And it's it's quite a different look for the the Chaos Army. Um, it's no secret uh, i'm a fan of the slaves of darkness uh, and this guy's definitely going to find uh, a place in my army law wise he um he kind of looks after bellicor's mortal troops a bit of a taskmaster who kind of makes sure they're 
they're doing what they should be doing. And speaking of his mortal troops, we also had the um, Chaos Legionaries, who again are gorgeous models as well. Uh, very different to a lot of the Chaos. They're kind of like cleaner plate armour. Think like evil paladins, and you're not too far off. Uh, and they're a battle line choice in games of Age of Sigmar as well. So I'm thinking, I know we've got the, the book coming at the end of the year, but I'm thinking Bellacore, three units of legionnaires. We've got the Centaurian looking after them and then fill up with like the Chosen and Chaos Knights and have very much like Bellacore's mortal army. Mm. A bit of a, of my current Chaos army is, is Archeon and his Varangard. So we'll go the other end of the scale and have Bellacore's four. So there's a few finishing touches I need to do on both of those, but um, they were really, really fun to paint up. What I did manage to get completely painted, however, was the cursling and like rules wise we'll be talking about it later on in the show when we get to the kind of bit that covers uh arcane cataclysm but uh it was a gorgeous model to paint up so weird with this little like conjoined twin on his shoulder it's yeah mm-hmm. such a freaky looking model i pretty much painted him in thousand sun scheme uh b- kind of turquoisey blue armor gold trim uh yeah he's quite quick to do and i think i'm going to do my the, the rest of the uh arcane cataclysm box in the same style really so yeah looking forward to getting those out because presumably the um the zinch book isn't too far off on the horizon mm, no i wouldn't have thought so not not now with uh arcane cataclysm up for pre-order so yeah we'll have to wait and see yeah you're uh, yeah he looks awesome the kersling such a cool looking model he, he's not a demon is he the kersling he's mortal He's immortal, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, I think off the top of my head, my law's a little bit rusty, but off the top of my head, they were brothers. One was good at fighting, one was good at magic. Oh, like Teclas and, and Tyrion? Like, yeah, so he's each kind of kapowed them together. Oh, not like Teclas and Tyrion, then? Maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you, you need to buy one seat on the train. That saves, oh, yeah. you know, cost of living crisis and all that if your brother's on your arm casting spells. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um, so that's what we've been doing in the hobby. Uh, we've got quite a bit to get through this week, but we do have time for the news, which is coming up next. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we've got a fairly uh, exciting pre-order uh, coming up on Saturday in the form of the penultimate book in the Siege of Terror series. Echoes of Eternity by Aaron Dembski Bowden. Jay, I'm sure you are super excited to read this one as well. Um, I am. Okay, so an awesome change to how the earlier ones went, both the awesome limited edition and the hard book and the audio book are all up for pre-order on Saturday. So I suspect that means you might be able to download it on Audible this coming Saturday, Jay. Do you know what? So I, I go I go on holiday exciting. on Friday and I'm I'm hoping that it is available to listen to um from on the pre-order day uh because then obviously i can listen to it while i'm away um but yeah it seems like it seems like an eternity waiting for this book to to come out <laughs> an eternity gate yeah <laughs> uh yeah I, and this is it the who knows who knows what's gonna happen in this now um obviously we know sanguinius is gonna feature heavily we assumed cabanda fighting um sanguinius at the gate but maybe not now. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens, won't we? Yeah, well, I mean, this is it. I mean, it's been like a... Sanguinius broke Cabanda's back 
outside the 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 eternity gate that's what we've known from for, for, for years since we've been playing this game and you know in, in, invested in the warhammer hobby and yeah it's just like oh it's so cool that you know we just don't know <laughs> even though we know everything about the horus we know exactly how the horus heresy ends all these sort of details that are being yeah. fleshed out in the series it's so cool so we've also got another release that seems like it's a million miles behind the rest of the uh the chaos space marine wave but this is the accursed cultists so these are the really weird cultists that have given themselves over to demons. There's five little ones that all look a bit gribbly, and then the big ones that are like fused with a demon. And um, yeah, that's probably not advisable. You're definitely not going to get covered in your uh, health insurance, are you? Inviting <laughs> a demon to possess your body. Uh, these are in a box of eight for £30, and I have to pick up a box of these because they look glorious to join my word bearers. Speaking of joining the word bearers, a kit that our people have been very, very much excited for, the Chaos Space Marines Possessed. are also up for pre-order. This is £35 for a box of five. Um, we need to bear in mind, these are the size of the greater Possessed, not the old little Possessed. So, yeah, again, very much looking forward to cracking these open and uh, getting some paint on them because I am a fan of possessed space marines. So yeah, are you are you you kind of like these ones, didn't you, Dave? I do. Yeah, of all the new chaos kits, the the possessed really caught my eye, and um, you know I, I've got access to possessed through the Death Guard and <laughs> a thousand suns, so. So mm. it just made me chuckle and when you said you've got access to Possessed. I thought, what, has he got his own like, sort of ren you have Possessed? Cultist leader Dave. So, yeah, now another uh, really good value release that we've got uh, coming on Saturday is Combat Patrol Chaos Demons. Now, it says Chaos Demons on the box, but really this is Combat Patrol Corn. Um, mm-hmm. You get two boxes of Flesh Hounds, three Juggernauts, two boxes of blood letters and a blood master. If you bought all of that separately, it'd cost you just shy of £164. So at £90 for the combat patrol, this is potentially one of the better value boxes. Admittedly, a lot of the models are old, like the blood letters, but um, yeah, that looks like a really, really good box to me. Yeah, I think it does. Um, if I was starting a corn army, this is a perfect way to start. And also, I think it's one of the better boxes to duplicate as well. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. You, you, you're going to... Oh, there's very little here that you're not going to want doubles of. Maybe the Bloodmaster, but oh, I don't know. We've not seen the new um, Codex yet. You might want multiple little kind of Herald-level heroes in your army. Certainly the Blood Letters and the Flesh Hound would be good. What this would also be good for as well is a cheap way of starting Horus Heresy for a Demon Army too. Mm. Very true. Yeah. Very and true. of course, Age of Sigma. So yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. I might. I've got a lot of corn demons, but I might pick up one of these myself to fill out some of my uh, my units. Now, speaking of demons, the time we have all been waiting for is here, and Codex Chaos Demons is also up for pre-order on um, Saturday. Uh, yeah, Chaos Demons was the first book of the previous edition after um, Death Guard and Space Marines. So it has been a long, long time coming. But finally, mm-hmm. finally, I'll be able to use my demons again. So I am super excited for that one. And we're going to have to have some games out maybe, when this one comes out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I'm if you, interested to, to see what the Crusade content is for the Chaos Demons. I think there's got the potential there to be some really interesting Crusade stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as ever, we'll be checking that out very, very soon. Uh, if you were a fan of Demons, and particularly Unmarked Demons, there's some Chaos Demons dice coming out. Uh, they seem to have Bellacore's star. I wouldn't them. trust them. You wouldn't trust them. They probably roll like sevens or something, don't they? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'll pick up a set of them because, you know, I'm the demon guy. So we've also got a host of made-to-order classic Chaos Demons on the way as well. Uh, I know last time we had a bit of a, a made-to-order wave, you very nearly fell to the ruinous powers, Jay, with some uh, Slanesh Demons. Oh, is this the old um, metal Slanesh Demonettes and yeah. Seekers? Yeah, yeah, they are nice models. Um, Diaz, Diaz sculpts, are they? Um, Juan Diaz, yeah. Yeah, very, very nice. Well, yeah, I not... did. That's typical Slanesh for you, though, isn't it? Sort of tempting you in there. This is it. Well, you're safe this week, Jay, because none of them are up there. We've got some Zinch stuff for a change. So we've got the Horrors of Zinch, which, again, are nice models with them kind of all twisting in and out of themselves. The old Flamers of Zinch. The old Metal Beast of Nurgle. The original Karanak, the Hound of Vengeance. In fact, it's not the original, it's the previous one. The Mask of Slanesh. Personally, I think the current plastics are better than all of them. Myself, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, not none of these made to order chaos, I think, are that are that great. I've seen a few people online getting quite excited about the Beast of Nurgle, but that's about it, I think. I think they've yeah. got some sort of nostalgia appeal. But yeah, yeah, I do I do prefer the new plastic sculpts for the demons for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, for Blood Bowl, for Snotling players, we've also got a bit of a surprise release as well. Snotling pitch, Snotling dice, and Snotling cards. So, um, yeah, knock yourself out if you're a Snotling player. Um, now, we did get a bit of exciting news today on Warhammer Community. Uh, a week on Wednesday, I believe, we have got the Nova Open preview live. This is on the 1st of September. Um, oh, week on Thursday, sorry. Uh, yeah, there's going to be reveals for Warhammer 40,000, Warhammer Age of Sigma, Warhammer the Horus Heresy, and Warhammer Underworlds. So, chaps, any um, any idea what we might see on this one? I have a couple of suggestions. I think, at minimum, we'll see the Votan Codex cover, maybe even a better uh... idea of a date. Um, I think we'll see the... Battle Tomes for Lumineth and Zeech. Uh, and also, um, I think we'll see what's within the uh, next Horus Heresy book, which I believe is called just, just Imperial, isn't it? I think. It's, or yeah, so it's, it's, I believe it is the book. It's got the same title as the one from the previous edition, which covered the Imperial Army, the Militias and the Cults. So basically mm. your, your Solar Exilia, your, your more Militia armies, and then the Renegades and Heretics. Yeah. So if that's the case, that's really cool. If it is that, I'd like to see a surprise release of some plastic infantry for those armies. Yeah, because currently yeah. they're super expensive to get into. Yeah, that'd be cool. That that'd be a real that'll be a real bonus. Um, I mean, aside from those, because um, you say there were it was kind of major reveals. You could argue that Votan isn't really a major reveal in that. You know, we've known they've been coming for quite some time, so maybe well, we'll get a sneak peek yeah. of what's to follow them. Yeah, well, you say that, Dave, but I, I think there's a lot more to the Votan that we've not seen yet. I'm sure in the articles they previewed, there's extra vehicles we've not seen and things like this, special characters. 
So I think mm. I think there's still a bit to show for the Botan, so it would be cool to see them. There is indeed. Yeah. I think they pretty much said there's a big reveal to come for them. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see a big centerpiece kit, because we haven't seen one of those yet. And also, launch box, the Queen in a few weeks, go at it. I think we'll yeah. see for 40, for 40k. Um, I don't know about you guys, I'm really excited it, for Underworlds. Yeah, well, we know, that there's a corn, we know there's a corn warband coming, so it could just be the corn warband. But we do mm. have the second half of the season, because obviously the the quick seasons now, aren't we? So that could yeah. be another box and two more warbands in there that we see, maybe. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that we see. Obviously, we're in Orgu. I'm really hoping we see some of Malarian sort of um, folk in that in that reveal. I've got I've I've got my fingers crossed for that. Yeah, I personally, by the end of this season, we'll be going into next year, and I think that would maybe be a little mm. glimpse at that. I don't think we'd get it this early no. but you never know underworld you see some wacky stuff like the kenopi that we've not seen anywhere yeah. else yet so yeah it would be really cool um sigma i think you're right i think we'll see the the luminous and the zinc but presumably there's no new models in there but we don't know that for sure um i think they said there was meant to be like four books coming out in the summer so they could just show off like all four of them i think there's probably yeah, there was some, like, like a destruction and stuff. Yeah, there's supposed to be there. a destruction book coming, and it was it a definite destruction, destruction books, book? I believe. Two, Two destruction books, I believe. Right, yeah. yeah. So people oh, wow. assume so... goblins and ogres because they've not had any love for a while. Mm. Would be nice to see a few more sort of previews of the um, Dawnbreaker Crusade, wouldn't it? I don't know, not like a model or anything, but you know, just a sneak peek at something. A little tease. I think we'll get a little tease. Obviously, we got the tease of the Dawnbringers and the uh, the World Eaters, so we, you never know. We might see a model or two. It's they've started showing stuff off a lot further in advance now so all bets are off really aren't they mm. uh, i'd also like to see some of the uh, astra militarum as well because we know they are on the horizon but yeah it's exciting times isn't it it is very much looking forward to next week yeah yeah now speaking of that something that we probably will see is uh, more of the leagues of otan and today on warhammer community the brock here thunderkin was shown off who are I don't know. What's the best way to describe these? Devastators and exosuits, I guess. They look like baby um, dread knights, but like awesome. <laughs> baby dread knights, but awesome is a very good description of them. Yeah, they. I, I think regular listeners will know some of the leagues of OTAN stuff. It's been a little bit hit and miss with me. I think on the whole, I've liked more kits than I've disliked. These definitely fall into the I really like them pile. I love the uh, little metal claws they've got that are gripping the weapons. So obviously their hands or whatever go into those sort of glove things, and then there's these like metal claws that come out and grab the grab the weapons. Really cool. And I think my favourite thing about well, I've got two favourite things about the models. I really like that shoulder pad on one side of the model where obviously they're facing down the enemy, so all the enemy's firepower is hitting that shoulder pad. Um, and I love yeah. the sort of tri-lens goggles that they're wearing as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, what do you think on these, Dave? You've, you've again, I think you've not liked some of the kits, but on the whole, you've liked most of the, the Votan kits, haven't you? That's right, yeah, especially the more recent kits. Um, these are up there with, um, yeah, my favourites. Um, they don't quite beat the kind of the tank and the, um, the was it the Hearthguard or whatever they were called? But they're, they're very close. They're very, they're very, very cool. Yeah. Now, what is very, very cool, a massive Goliaths. And today, Warcom showed off one of the new units that's introduced in the new um, supplement book um, 
for um, Necromunda. And this is the Forge boss. He's a bit of a Bruce, isn't he? <sighs> love this model. I really love this model. Um, all the Goliath stuff, like the 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 the, the bikes and this guy, they, they just look so so cool. I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm really I'm really enjoying our Necromunda campaign right now, but I'm so looking forward to Goliath in the next one. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess this one for a lot of you guys, it's been a long time since you played any Necromunda, so it's nice to get like all kind of warm up one. And then you can fully lean into the narrative and, and making your gang unique for the uh, the one that follows, which I imagine will probably be following through this campaign, I think, guys, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's, there's a lot going on here. He's got a lot of heavy arm. He's got a massive axe. He's got a flamer bolter pistol and then a bolter grenade launcher combo thing slung over. He has got plenty of ammo. <laughs> this, this guy's definitely rolling multiple jam dice, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't care. He's just so cool. I um, he's definitely going to be leading my warband. Yeah, and it's interesting. They're adding so these are new champions. It's it's nice because it gives you a bit of a variety in, in what you build your gang from as well, doesn't it? Mm. So presumably we'll see the same for the Escher, and then I suspect say if there's another two books following this, for example, all the main houses could be covered two per book. And then maybe a book for the squats and the nomads. Um, Ashways nomads, maybe. I, I, I guess is the kind of thing they're going for. This is probably going to be a year-long campaign because that seems to be the way Games Workshop are doing things now. And a quick show of hands around the room. Do we do we like that? Like this year, this is the theme, and all of releases revolve around that. Yes, I I like I like this. I much prefer this than the. For example, new seasons of Underworlds every six months. Yeah. Um, I, I much prefer this. I don't know if Games Workshop are doing this on purpose, trying these different kind of release schedules, um, but I, I much prefer this Necromunda one. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, from like a marketing point of view, it's you know they, they want you to buy everything, don't they? But this seems a more, I guess, customer-friendly one because you want to get it to contain the story, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully we see more of that soon. We don't know when it's out, but I, I can't imagine it being too far off now, especially with another preview uh, next week. We also saw um, the the spiker went up for pre-order as well. I haven't ordered this yet, but um, I'm going to have to pick him up because he's a weird, weird-looking guy. Uh, onto heresy news, we saw the reveal of the plastic Land Raider. Proteus. Now, I get real pangs and nostalgia for this thing. I think you guys, the current Land Raider kit was probably the Land Raider kit when you guys started, wasn't it? So you never really had the uh, the nostalgia of the classic um, the classic Land Raider. But I've always been a big fan of it to the point where I bought the the resin one of these a couple of years ago from the Sons of Horus Army, uh, and I'm going to have to pick up some of these for my my uh, slowly growing world eaters that seems to have materialized out of nowhere <laughs> um, to carry some like terminators and stuff so they can get in the fight without getting shot first i prefer this tank to the spartan but again that's probably just nostalgia for me i prefer the look of the spartan but i do i do really like this line raider and i think the reason i really like this line raider is because it gives me real like the first tanks of the world war where you've got like the treads are just huge like it kind of envelopes the whole tank um so i do really like that but i think i do slightly prefer the spartan 
Yeah, it also builds a, Pro- a Proteus Explorator as well, which has got less of a um, a, a um, t- uh, transport capacity, but it's got all kind of sensors and dozer blades and stuff, which is actually how the original model was built with a big dozer blade on the front. So, uh, yeah, that's probably going to be the very, uh, variety that I'm going to go for. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I cannot wait to see what else comes for Horus Heresy, because with that, I think all of the resin kits that were discontinued from Forge World are now in plastic. Well, we could see that next week. We could see Ooh. what's um, next from, from Forge World. Fingers crossed. Excellent stuff. Well, that brings this week's news to a close. Um, we've got a few little main segments this week, um, but we're going to go to our first one next, because Matt is going to take us through how we got on at the Throne of Schools this last weekend. So keep listening. So, Matt, I believe you were over at Warhammer World this last weekend. I was. I had a really fun weekend rolling some dice. Now, um, obviously, Warhammer World most weekends now put on put on events, and one of my favourite types of event at Warhammer World is the Throne of Skulls. It's what you call a soft score in one. Essentially, a third of your final score is based on your gaming performance, and then a third is based on sportsmanship, and a third based on painting. So, in theory. You could only win one or two games, but get clean sweeps for the, the, the favourite game and favourite army votes and actually win the event. I think it's a really, really nice way to do things that rewards all aspects of the hobby. Um, and with that in mind, you kind kind to get more um, fun, narrative, thematic armies as well. And uh, yeah, I was down there rolling some dice. I'd brought the Death Corps of Krieg as a bit of a... Um, a kind of final outing for them because we know there's a new codex coming and um i hadn't used them for a long time and i, I was in my storage unit kind of sorting through armies so it's de- depressing when you've got a storage unit full of armies but there you go mm-hmm. saw them on the side and uh yeah but decided yeah you know what i'll bring the death core of creek because i've used them for ages and um once i decided i brought them worked out the points i was about 20 points short but it's fine <laughs> um and um they seem to have had a few buffs since the book came out obviously they're now the oldest book i think once chaos demons comes out so they've had a few patches so all of the tanks now have armor of contempt which i forgot about until the last couple of games and all of the (laughs) um um any hit of a six becomes a wound which is crazy good when you think about about that yeah yeah we do you think about las cannons being able to take down like tanks and stuff on a lucky hit it makes them really, really good. So yeah, I um I brought them and um I was looking forward to it. But like I say, it's 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 a lighter kind of event. It's a bit of fun. And my my one hope for the event was to play five different armies, which you don't always get to do at these kind of events. And I wanted to win at least two games, just because I thought eh, the death could probably be pretty good now with that with those uh, kind of rules patches that they've had. So the first army I fought was uh, John with his salamanders. Uh, and, and this was really fun. It was the only Space Marine army I fought over the weekend, which is um, a rarity. I've been to a few 40k events and fought a lot of Space Marines. Uh, so this being the only one was um, was pretty good, actually. Um, and you know what? It was a really, really close game. The, the whole event was run doing using the Tempest of War cards, uh, which we've had some games with, haven't we, Dave? And they're, they're really good fun. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed playing with Tempest of War. Um, and essentially the way they did it, the, the events team for the first game determined the map, determined the primary and determined the twist. And then the players would then draw their secondaries. Going on from your first game, there's a big board with all of the other cards face down and you like voted which one you wanted. If you won, won a game, you could have a peek behind one card to see what it was. And then the card with the most votes for each line would be the, the mission that they played in the next round, which is really cool. It meant that it was completely randomised, but everybody was playing the same mission and no one, not even the events team, knew what the mission was going to be. It's kind of capturing the, the randomness of Tempest of War, but put it in a format that had worked for an event. So I thought that was a really good idea. Um, so with that, obviously, tactics-wise and, and the way the game can go, is very much determined on how you draw your cards. Like when we fought each other, Dave, I think you had a, a couple of bad rounds of cards that really swung the game for you, where if you'd have had some easier-to-score ones, you'd have probably beaten me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, there was a couple just mistimed, really. Yeah, so so this game ended up 60 to the Deathcore of Krieg and 55 to the Salamanders, which for game one, for, for winning on five points, I was I was pretty happy with that. Um, he had, I think there's some pictures up on the, the Warhammer World Facebook page, um, but he had a really nice army with kind of like, his dreadnought had like a big face painted on it, which was very old school. I, uh, I did really, really like that. Going into game two, so I've said, won my first game, amazing, really happy, Death Corps Krieg rocking. Go to my second game, uh, I found a chap called Robin, who had an absolutely gorgeous Eldar army. Um, Let's just say the Death Corps of Krieg didn't fare so well against the Eldar. Man, they move quick, don't they? I had, uh, I had war walkers in my face turn one. I had wave serpents that a volcano cannon couldn't take out in a volley of fire. Um, yeah, they were they were really, really tough. Um, so that ended 60 to the elves and five for the Death Corps of Krieg. But they did die gloriously for the Emperor. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the most important thing in these games. Uh, Robin was a really fun opponent, and the army was beautiful as well. But, um, yeah, he, uh, I think he was a much better player than me and absolutely battered me. Um, but it was still really good. I, um, I was maybe a little bit too ballsy with the Valkyrie. Because I wanted to try and get my um, my uh, veterans over the other side of the board to start contesting objectives. But obviously he's got so many fast units anyway. Um, is, is it, I forget which ones it were. Um, sweeping Hawks, Jake, and they move, shoot, and then move again. Sweeping Hawks, move, shoot, move. I think, uh, oh, uh, no, all the Eldar can move, shoot, and do they? Move okay. Again. Yeah. Well, there's, lots of, there's lots of movement shenanigans, and even with my fast units like the Valkyrie, really the old Ark could dance rings around me. Where maybe I should have formed a, a defensive line and just um, thrown cannon fodder into the old Ark line. Spent the game chasing shadows. Yeah. There's a good. Uh, um, there's a good. Um, there's a good um, um, paragraph in the Battlefleet Gothic rulebook about an Imperial Admiral who uh, is frustrated chasing ghosts around the uh, sector. So it's yeah, like to that's bring the old Ark to there's... battle. That's what it was like. So, um, and unfortunately, the, um, the I had a shadow sword, which was a, a prime target for the elder, and they picked that thing apart because they absolutely did not want it um, <laughs> ruining their day. Also, Robin was you know pretty shrewd opponent. He knew that 
while the Shadow Sword's a massive distraction and it is very, very powerful, the thing that really does the damage in my army are the mortar batteries. You've both fought my death core, Krieg. You know, if you can just leave them shooting you out of line of sight all game, they um, they do cause a headache, don't they? Mm. So he made sure to get his quick units in to deal with those um, those threats early on. So yeah, really good game. Unfortunately, five points for the uh, the death core though. Moving on to the final game of day one, though, I was fighting James and his Mechanicum. And this was a, A, I was happy to play Mechanicum because I know what Mechanicum can do. I think I've fought your Mechanicum with my Death Corps Krieg, haven't I, Dave? You have, yes, yeah. Um, so I know I know what they can do. And he had a really cool army. He had lots of robots. He had lots of cataphron uh, breaches, as they called. The big, yep. like, treaded things with guns. He had a, a, a dune crawler. He had the Ballistari striders, are they called? The little things with las cannons with two yeah, legs. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. I've been meaning to pick up some of those for my army. Cognus las cannons of the future. Yeah, he had four of them. Four of them. So, uh, yeah, it's a really cool battle. I had the, uh, the Shadow Sword set up on one flank, facing off against all these million las cannons and all these vehicles and stuff, while on the other flank... We had kind of the body of the, the Death Corps of Krieg slowly advancing forward while um, some robots and Skitari and stuff stood to face them off. This was such a good game. Um, again, we were quite lucky with, with the draw of the cards where most both of us, myself and James, were scoring like maximum points each turn. We had such a good game in like the cards that we drew and making sure our guys were in the right position. There's a real back and forth, a bit of a gunfight going out between the two sides. Unfortunately for James, I the only other person who plays Mechanicum that I've seen roll more ones in the first turn is Dave. <laughs> um because he I believe he got the first turn and the June crawler just whiffed all its attacks. So that's fine. All the million las cannons on the uh, Ballastari, in theory, could deal with the Shadow Sword. And then they all missed. But it's fine. They get like a Mechanicum reroll, And then they all missed. Um, he was really, really unlucky. One of those games. It was. And then the Shadow Sword could just... You know, the, the Shadow Sword's 2d3 shots. Uh, strength 16. AP minus 5. 2d6 damage per shot. Mm. So it just vaporized that side of the board. Um, his cataphrons and stuff came up because they've got like haywire guns that could put some hurt on the um, on the uh, shadow sword as well. What really hindered him though was the fact that I've got a two plus save with armor of contempt. He was finding it really hard to start chewing through that armor, and I was being really lucky with my rolls. Mm. Um, over on the other side, we had a bit of a scrum. Um, basically, our units were positioning around. It's a bit different in a game of uh, Tempest of War. Because one of the guys that we were playing nearby described it as your commander's drunk, where you might be on an objective, but then you draw a secondary that's worth five points for you. So you suddenly you could move your units to go do something else and then swing them back onto the primary again. Um, we both managed to do really well at that. I think there was a turn where he managed to get slightly less than me. And at the end of the game, it was 86 to the Mechanicum and 88 to the Death Corps of Krieg. Oof. So two points in it was such a good game. You know, you have a game where it's like this is both of us were we had turns where we whiffed our attacks, but we were like staying on target and getting the objectives. And I think it was just a single turn where he couldn't do what he needed to do to to beat me. Um, so yeah, really, really fun game, really fun opponent, and uh, yeah, 
two wins at the end of game uh, day one. I was like, oh yeah, okay, the Death Corps are doing okay here. Um, going into day two, uh, my first opponent was Pete, who was playing Orcs, and he had a glorious Orc army. Um, the, the, the centerpiece of this army was a converted battle wagon. It was at one point in life a land raider, maybe, uh, <laughs> but it had a massive platform. It was you talk about modeling for advantage. This was modeling for disadvantage. It had a massive platform with a stage and a drum kit, and the <laughs> orc war boss and his knobs were a band. All of the the orcs had guitars. He was like leading them. There was a guy on drums in the back. He said he did originally have working speakers on the back of this thing but they stopped working oh it was just it was just insanely beautiful Uh, and this one i started off doing really well on um i'd managed to take out this massive target with a volcano cannon which was loath to do but tactically i had to kill it um (laughs) and his 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 war boss and a knob or two i think were on foot and at that point the it, it if I'd have left him to it, he could have charged me. And admittedly, I could have probably um, overwatched him. But I wanted to get rid of that kind of threat in the centre of the board. So I charged in the Shadow Sword because it had nine attacks, hitting on twos, wounding on twos, uh, AP minus one, D3 damage each. I thought, that'll kill him. It didn't kill him. And then obviously it was pinned in combat with him and, and Orcs punching him. Wasn't, wasn't a great ending. So I think if I hadn't I charged it in, He'd have maybe had to be a bit more cautious with it because, again, you don't really want to charge a shadow sword. I was a bit, a bit too overconfident that nine attacks on twos and twos would kill it. And uh, like, um, so once that had gone, the kind of my big threat had gone. Then really, again, he can close the distance quite quickly with orcs to kind of deal with the mortars because turn one. The mortars did horrific damage to big blobs of orcs, as you can imagine. You know, they've got the blast keyword. So my uh, my mortar batteries were getting like 18 shots, strength six, uh, AP minus two against his orcs and just chewing through them. But uh, he called a wire, turn two. And then really, once they'd closed, it was game over for the Death Corps of Krieg. So despite a decent start, it ended 23 to the Death Corps and 56 to Pete and his orcs. Um, again, as it should be for the Orcs. Uh, so that was two wins, two losses, and you know, I was, uh, that I was happy with that. If I hadn't won any other games, I'd have been quite content. Going into the final game, I was playing against Jamie and his Drakari, and I found out that Jamie's actually a, a person who's joining the events team soon. He had a beautiful Drakari army. I was really excited to fight him because he had a Tantalus, oh, which is a model yeah, I've nice. always yeah. wanted to paint myself. Um, this was another really, really good game um, with a lot of kind of back and forth between the Shadow Sword and the Tantalus. I, I could, I, in the final turn of the game, most of his stuff had like one or two wounds left. He eventually managed to bring down the, the, the Shadow Sword that we were both hoping would explode in a horrific explosion, wiping out everything on the board that was on one or two wounds. Um, while he was fighting the Shadow Sword... I'd managed to push quite heavily on one flank to like eliminate the units that I think could do some threat with scoring um, while the mortars were kind of shooting stuff that was set on his objectives. 
So again, just trying to, I guess, keep on the pressure on the big super heavy while kind of swinging the units where they needed to be. So again, really, really close game. I think in kills, he killed most of my army by the end of the game. But on victory points, it ended up 67 to the Death Corps of Krieg. So again, another really, really close game where if, and you know, the cards have been different or he'd managed to get like a really early push, uh, I think Jamie would have won that one. Um, and they're always the best kind of games where it could have gone to either player and it's not until the last turn when you can call it. And I tend to find with Tempest of War, yeah, the cards can go against you, but because both players are having to like change their plan on the fly, I think it plays for close the game in most circumstances. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I've not so tried this. Yeah. Uh, I've not tried them. I need to have a game um, using them. Then I've not played. Yeah, them. So, so basically, you, you you draw a random map for your deployment. You draw a primary mission, and there's a, a variety of them. There, there's a lot of stuff based on the kind of stuff that you'd get in the kind of chapter approved books. And then there's a twist. So in one of the games, the twist was that if you tagged an objective with an objective secured unit, you had it until somebody else took it off you. Or the twist could be that you've got to roll like you do in Heresy to see if reserves come on, which then hindered your plans later on. So they're quite a little fun twists that mix up things a little bit. And then the main mechanic really is that you draw three cards and you score five victory points for each one that you achieve. You can spend a command point to recycle one. Um, and it's really a game of deciding whether it's worth keeping hold of one for two turns or just bidding it and try and get one that you can score. Because in a lot of the, the, the games where I did well, it was really because I was able to score multiple cards per turn. Where I think if turn one you've got three cards that you can't score, I really do think you need to get rid of some because essentially you've potentially wasted 15 points turn one on stuff that you can't score. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. Really fun game. And it's really nice format for a throne of schools as well because it, it even good players will get kind of... Uh, way late sometimes if oh hang on i need to do this how am i going to do that and it kind of makes you think about what you have to do yeah yeah it does you do have to change your tactics on the fly a lot with tempest of war out of interest matt um because i've seen this come up on uh, a few stream games did you use the new cp rules or were you starting with like the the normal amount of cp well the cp rules are only for match play, uh, for only for grand tournament games they yeah. are, only exist in the Grand Tournament book. So in a Tempest of War game, it's a different mission pack, so you do not use them. No, in the same I, way I, that Crusade doesn't use the Grand Crusade rules either. Yeah, no, I, I just it was just a question that came up because um, I've noticed a lot of people um, have actually been choosing to use the new CP rules, um, even with stuff like I, I imagine you would you would be using the full amount of CP. I was just interested really because um, a lot of people online seem to be to be using the less CP to start, so. Yeah, just, uh, just a random I, I one. Do, I, do, I do wonder if that's just because that's the, the tournament format. And I think mm. that exists because of good players can have a massive advantage in having a lot of CP. But in a game like Throne of Schools, you're really hindering new players by limiting the CP they can use. Yeah. And a good player with only one or two CP can do a lot of damage with that compared to somebody who's maybe it's their first game and might yeah. want a pool of dice for re-rolls and stuff. Yeah. So honestly... I, I think it worked really well with the with the rules as written. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, so a really, really fun event. Somehow, I managed to place 11th out of 70 players as hey, well, which I'll take nice as an uh, achievement for the Death Corps of Krieg. Um, nice yeah, yeah, that's impressive. 
I was, I was really happy with that. Um, like I said, for, for, for five different armies, five really fun games against great players. There were some beautiful armies on show as well. Um, I completely forgot to take some pictures of them, but they are all on the uh, the Warhammer World Facebook page as well. So, yeah, really good show, and I'm looking forward the, to the next um, one. I, hope. I, I love the um, Slanesh Land Raider. Oh, this land. So I, I was on the table kind of like behind it at one point, and just out of the corner of my eye, just see like strobe lighting and a turn around and this this <laughs> land raid has got full like neons going it was crazy full-on <laughs> disco going on <laughs> yeah it's uh it is really cool i'm looking forward to i've got an event coming andy's coming along as well in two weeks the uh crusade event you two couldn't make it could you which was a shame oh um, on your holidays yeah so so yeah me and andy will be going to that i think i'll be bringing my uh my word bearers for that one because i want to write a bit of narrative about them and yeah see how they get on but yeah really really fun event excellent excellent stuff yeah i'm a bit jealous that i wasn't along for this and and jealous i wasn't not gonna be after crusade but sounds like it was an awesome weekend and yeah um as matt said Warhammer world i've got some really cool shots of like some of the best armies and things on display in the cabinets this next one you're going to, Matt, is um, it's the Crusade. It's the Necron one, isn't it? Necron Tomb World is the setting, isn't it? Like a Tomb World Awakening or something. World. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what the what the details are yet, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a Tomb World that various factions have been sent to to go and investigate slash pillage slash turn uh, to chaos. Uh, I'm trying to think now. I can't wait to hear what this is about because obviously we went the, the 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 last Crusade one we went to with the Gene Steeler Cult uprise, uh, uprising, where the events team was sort of dressed as a uh, well, over the course of the weekend, they got less more less sort of scientists and more sort of Xenos infected, um, and there was all the all sort of dishing out the cards as well between games and trying to infect um, your opponents and things like this. Um, I'm just trying to think what what they do for like a Necron Tomb World Awakening. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's cool for Ryers or oh yeah, it's gonna be good. Excellent stuff. Uh, we're gonna have a bit of. Uh, change of pace with our next segment as we're going to delve into the era of the heresy but we're going to be doing it from the skies so we're going to take another slight pause and we'll be right back i don't actually think any of us saw this coming um when it was announced uh, as a thing really um but aeronautica imperialis um has been out for a while now um, dogfights in the 41st millennium. Um, however, it was at the scale of Adeptus Titanicus, and we always wondered if um, we'd ever get Aeronautica for the Heresy and maybe get like a, I don't know, some sort of combined game. Well, we have actually now got a rule book for games of Aeronautica set in the Heresy. And Matt, you have got the book in your hands. So can you take it away from there? Yeah, I do. Just to clarify, this isn't like. Horus Heresy games in the Aeronautica universe. It is Aeronautica Imperial as as it's always been, just with mm. with the flyers from that period. Sadly, we still aren't at the point where um, we've got you know epic 40k on the go. Though again, it wouldn't surprise me if that's not the uh, the intent going forward. So yeah, so basically, like you said, this was a bit of a, a surprise for us all because um, you know there's no there's no big box coming out for it. This is a standalone book that allows you to play games of Aeronautica Imperialis within the time period of the Horus Heresy. Um, interestingly, this book is also while stocks last as well. I thought this was going to be like the permanent 
replacement rule book for it. But it looks like this is maybe just a little spin-off to uh, kind of jump on the Horus Heresy uh, bandwagon. So if you already play Aeronautica Imperialis, this isn't a new edition of the game. It is, it is the same rule book that you've already got. You get a kind of um, best of scenarios. You get stuff from the original book and stuff from the Taros campaign book. Over both of those existing rule books, there's only one mission that you don't get in this book, which is the underground mission in the Taros campaign. All the other ones are in here. So, Dave, you've been tempted to get into Aeronautica before, haven't you? Um, mm-hmm. And arguably, if you don't play a Xenos faction, and that's a very big caveat, this is probably the best book to pick up. And again, while you can, because I believe in some regions it may have already sold out as well, which is, again, an odd one. With this being set on the Horus Heresy, you've, you've got a couple of different lists in here. You've got the Legio Astartes one, which is the same flyers that were in the previous um, Aeronautica set. The rules were in the compendium, and you can get the cards for them. Uh, essentially, the Xiphon Interceptor, the Storm Eagle, the Fire Raptor, and the Thunderhawk, along with their ground assets. Now, I really thought that we might see some um, 30k flyers in here, like the Stormbird. But no, yeah. it just uses the plastic models that are out already, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And it means if you've got an existing aeronautical force, you can use it. The rules haven't changed. It's it's a little bit of an odd one that there isn't any new models there, though. Um, the, the, the Horus Heresy flavor really comes in the form of a single upgrade each Legion can take on their, uh, their flyers. So as part of your list building, you can choose to um, to upgrade them. So, for example, Dave, you like the Dark Angels. For six points, you can make the aircraft piloted by a veteran of the Raven Wing. Uh, once per game, they can re-roll a dice. However, all dice re-rolled must uh, all dice must be re-rolled, and you must accept the result of the second roll, even if it's worse. And you can purchase that by any number of aircraft in the fleet. So, for the Imperial Fists, however, uh, they're a lot more defensive. So, for five points. They get an extra structure point. So I know a lot of people be a little bit disappointed. That is the extent of the the heresy specific rules in that it's just a single update uh, upgrade you can take per unit to add some enhancements to your flyers. But arguably it, it is a good thing. It means that this isn't a standalone expansion in isolation. Jay, if you've got an Imperial Fist Aeronautica Force. And Dave's got an orc force one of the, from the, one of the older books. You can both play against each other without any advantages or disadvantages, and it's going to work absolutely fine. They could have gone to town with lots of legion abilities and upgrades, but obviously that would have put the older um, forces at a disadvantage. Um, what do you guys think of that? The, 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 I guess the difference between which legion being a single upgrade you can take on your flyers. Yeah, I th- seems, seems okay to me. Yeah, it seems like a, a really simple change that that works. Yeah, I mean, I like to get the full the full Legion of Astartes list in there as well. There's also another army list included in here, the Divisio Aeronautica. So this is the 30k era um, Aeronautica army list, and this contains all of the non. Astra Militarum flyers. Now I know Dave, you're quite a fan of the Astra Militarum ones, aren't you? Like the Valkyries and stuff. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, you can't include them in this list because I guess technically the Astra Militarum did not exist at that time in history. No. Which I guess makes sense. But again, it means that people who've got the flyers out of the the original box, so, you know, the lightnings and marauders and thunderbolts and all that, you can again use that list as a 30k Divisio Aeronautica force. So again, I, I, I quite like that. There's no changes. It's also nice that in this book, you've got the Space Marine list and the Divisio Aeronautica list, which considering that they the full list for those were only really founded expansions. They weren't in the like the core rule book that came in the box. So again, making this for non Xenos players the most like complete rule book so far. Yeah. There is a third army list in the book, and that's the um the the, the Legio Custodes. They sadly only get one flyer, the Ares gunship. Clocks in at forty three points. So in a like 150-point game, you've just got three Ares gunships. There are another couple of um, custody flyers. It's a shame that we didn't get resin models for them, just to add a bit more variety. Yeah, there's like a, I'm sure there's like an interceptor. It's in the Burden of Prospero. They use it, and it, it makes like a shrieking noise. They give it a special name because the noise it makes is it's flying through the atmosphere. Like, And, of course, you've got the Orion... Um, the Orion sort of like almost like a Thunderhawk sort of equivalent for the Legio Custodes, yeah. but maybe in the future. Yeah, exactly. The the cool thing with the Custodes is that you can take them as part of a Astartes or Divisio Aeronautica force as well. So like Dave, for example, if you had just the stuff out of the starter box and wanted to get it up to like a 150 point list, you could just buy an Ares gunship and have that flying with your fleet. Yeah, that's cool. So, so that's quite a nice little plug in. Um, other than that, not a lot to talk about this one. It's it is the same the same core rule set. Nothing's changed. We've got pretty much all of the scenarios that's ever come out for the game, bar one, and then you've got that complete space marine list, the complete aeronautica list, and the Ares gunship. So recommendations for this one, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? If you're already an aeronautica player you've probably got the majority of rules in this book. The only thing that you're missing really is the Ares gunship uh, and the the Legion-specific stuff. If you're new to Aeronautica, however, and you don't want to play Orcs or Eldar, um, I'd say pick up this book. You've got the full core rules, you've got all of the scenarios, and you've got those full non-Xenos lists all in one hardback book, where at the minute, for existing players... You've got that spread between a few different volumes. Mm. Now, obviously, with this being a kind of wild stock, stock's last thing, I, I, I do think this is a kind of like a, a little kind of like, Horse Heresy is out. Here's a cool book that lets you play those games. And maybe following this, we get like a, a, a full new edition, new box set with a different fleet in there, maybe. Um It is good to still see releases for Aeronautica Imperialis. Just because I don't know. I don't know about you guys feel, but I hear less of a buzz about it than other games. It, it, yeah. I, I do wonder if there's less love for Aeronautica than other systems, maybe. I yeah. get that same feeling, to be honest. I, I just don't think it's it's you know I think it's it's struggled. Um, but there's a lot of competition, although not really for this type of game. I don't know. I can't really explain it because I see a lot of people online kind of moving away from X-Wing and the changes that have happened to that system. 
Um, so you would think that Aeronautica could only gain from that. Um, but yeah, it just seems to have stalled, to use a, a plain term. Yeah, you know what I'd have liked to have seen? Obviously, it's not happened. But if, if they had this book bundled with a playing surface and one of each Space Marine sprue, that is a box that a new player can build and it gives them an Aeronautica Force and the rules to play it. Yeah. And then like you, Dave, for example, you'd probably pick that up and then paint the, the flyers in your Space Marine Legion. It just seems a bit of an odd move that they haven't boxed it that way. Yeah. I um I would probably actually, because I am really excited to play some uh, Heresy with my Dark Angels, um, I'd probably quite be be inclined to paint some Dark Angels Heresy flyers if it was going to be like a permanent addition to the range, like we'd see it expanded on. I didn't know until you mentioned that this book is a limited run and that once it's gone, it's gone. I I don't know. That seems odd. It yeah, and that's with the time I filmed the review, I didn't know that until I, I just checked Warcom to confirm the details. And yeah, it's it's currently while stocks last, um, which is it's a shame because like I say, this is really the definitive Aeronautica book. It's got all the rules in, all the missions in, and as long as you don't play Xenos, and I keep stressing that a bit, it's got all the flyers in as well, apart from the after military and stuff, but arguably you've got two full functional lists plus the kind of like custodies bonus list in there. So yeah, it seems an odd one. It really does seem an odd one. I hope that's maybe a sign that it, a, a proper, you know, next wave's going to follow. I mean, what have we got that's not represented? Chaos, maybe, but arguably they'd use Astartes flyers, wouldn't they? Mechanicum. Mechanicum would be really cool. You've got those weird, like, winged things. Um, mm. Drakari, maybe, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it is just a point of... I mean, Tyranids would be a cool one for Aaron. Tyranids would, yeah. Like Haridans and stuff. So yeah. there's still definitely room for expansion. Um, so, yeah, we'll just have to see where it goes. I, I'd i like to think this is leading into integration with Adeptus Titanicus. You then bring out Plastic Infantry and you've got Epic and all the models of the same scale. Again, we've said that all along. Um so yeah, it's this is a hard one. If you already play Aeronautica and get all the books, you're going to get less out of this one. If you're new to Aeronautica, pick this up, pick up a box of interceptors and a box of um of you know one of the biggest ships, uh, you know a Thunderhawk or something maybe. You've got a fully fledged Aeronautica fleet you can paint up, have some games with, and all the rules to play them with. So certainly for new starters, uh, yeah, pick this up, Dave. I recommend you picking up this book as well if you want to uh, jump onto the Aeronautica hype, if you can get one. And that's the uh, that's the rub, I guess. That's the caveat, yeah. Well, um, Matt has very kindly done us a full written write-up over on spruceandbrews.com. Um, I will pop the link to that in the podcast notes so you can have a fresh brew and read that at your leisure. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting on that. Um, we have got one final segment before we reach the top three. Uh, Jay and Matt are very quickly going to take us for a brand new battle box. So we'll be right back. So as well as a new rulebook for Aeronautica, we were also very kindly sent a battle box for Age of Sigmar that pitted the Lumineth against the Disciples of Zeech. Now, Matt being one of the Chaos Gods and Jay being a Lumineth fanboy, the two of you have been uh, delving over the contents of this. So do you want to take us through the box and, and what part you played in our review? 
Yeah, so so this is um we've seen a few of these this uh season, I guess, of Age of Sigmar. And it seems to be before every battle tome comes out, we're getting a battle box now. We saw it with the um the Sylvaneth and the Skaven, we saw it with the Ideneth and the Fire Slayers. And again, I quite like this model. It means that you can get some new models early and uh, kind of some of the core units that you're going to be having anyway in anticipation of the the battle tomes coming out uh, we had daughters of Cain and nighthorn as well so there's been a fair few of these this year and i do wonder are we going to get one for for every release going forward um deal wise the box is 135 pounds which i think is on the pricier end of battle boxes that we've seen but it does contain 253 pounds worth of models which is pretty good on the zinch side you get the cursling you get three zangor on discs you get 10 zangors 20 caracatolites and then on the luminous side you get a scenario lightener five blade lords five dawn riders and 10 sentinels and i think it's safe to say that's stuff that you you'd probably want in a kind of starter luminous army isn't it jay yeah they're all all battle line options in certain, yeah. certain scenarios so so yeah so you get all those models you also get a um a soft back age of sigma core rule book as well which they put in the last few of these battle boxes and i think that's a really nice thing as well if only to like throw in your tournament bag or if a lot of these boxes really uh, a nice way of a new player getting into a game so having two small armies and i say small i think i worked out the zinch side of the box is like 800 odd points so it's a decent size. I think the Lumineth one comes out slightly cheaper. Um, but having a, a, a softback rule book to maybe introduce someone new to the hobby is a, is a nice option, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, you also get the Arcane Cataclysm supplement. So this is like a, a mini battle tome, really. It goes through some narrative for the Lumineth and the, um, the Zinch army. It kind of has a beast diary going through all the various units in the book as well, which is cool along with kind of artwork of all the painted models so you can use that to help painting up your own the second half of the book is a mini narrative campaign you've got realm rules in there what's new for this one as well is a realm spell law as well so a full spell law with four spells in that you unlock by playing this um kind of battle box campaign which i think is pretty nice um and there's some unique like you know scenarios and stuff in there essentially over the course of three scenarios you'll start with a small force and then build it up to the big showdown using the complete contents of the box so again that's pretty fun i, I, I like these boxes I, we, we really should play through the uh the narrative arcs of these because a, a lot of people buy this box as a, as a discount bundle but the, the the gaming content in these books is actually really fun Mm. Yeah, I I've enjoyed um, a few of them. Um, I definitely I definitely think there's a niche there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other draws for people um, who are existing players is that very often we'll see a kind of precursor to the new battle tomes within here. Um, so the Snoring Lights that we already talked about a little bit earlier in the show, but the Luminous have had a couple of changes that will affect the way they play. Um, Jay, do you want to talk us through some of the, the Lumineth changes that we've had? Yeah. So, of course, everybody everybody was looking to see whether there would be any changes to um, the um, Venari Sentinels, the Archers. Uh, these are a notorious Lumineth uh, unit, uh, often taken in large units and multiple units of them. 
raining death from anywhere on the board, pretty much, inflicting mortal wounds on units there, even hidden from line of sight. Um, so it would be interesting to see what changes might be on the cards for the Sentinels. And yes, they have been changed. So the, the, their um, lofted shot, which was the, uh, the longer, I, th- I believe it was 30 inches, um, could shoot targets out, out of line of sight. So And, and you know, with coupled with their power of heat spell, where they do multiple wounds on hit rolls of five plus, there were luminous spells that let them re-roll all hits against a target and things like this. It was a it was a devastating sort of volley for the opponent to sort of weather. Uh, that's been toned down now, so it's a, a 24-inch range, um, and it can no longer target units out of line of sight. Instead, you uh, remove the benefit of cover from that unit, which it doesn't really gel very well with the sort of the main way you're using Sentinels. You're fishing for those fives to hit. You're not really bothered if a unit's getting a cover save or not. Um, now, we often see with these sort of battle boxes and the war scrolls that come with them that they change again when the battle tome comes out. So whether we'll see further changes for the Sentinels in the battle tome is yet to be seen, I guess. Um, yeah, the I mean, change, I think, I think the, 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 the fact that they can't shoot things that they can't see anymore, I think it's a good change because before there was nothing you could do against Luminous Army just taking out all your heroes turn one, really, was there? No, that's it. Range 30 inches and, and people were taking like 40 or more of these Sentinels. You know, if they're doing mortal wounds on a five on any unit within 30 inches of them, regardless of what's in the way, there's not a lot you can do against that. Um, and, and I think most of the most of the sort of top tier Luminous Armies were built around like a sort of solid foundation of Sentinels. So, yeah, I, I think you'll see people move away from Sentinels for sure now with, with this change. I mean, they're still good. Yeah, you know, big units of them just doing doing multiple wounds at range. Um, but like I say, it'll be interesting to see what other changes we see with the battle tome. Whether there's changes to the lower heesh, because obviously they gelled very well with the lower heesh spells um, that allowed them to reroll all hits. Um, you could really go fishing for those fives. Um, so yeah, so that that that's the sort of change I think everybody was looking to to see to see how mm-hmm. the sentinels change. But I think people will be quite quite pleasantly surprised if you. Uh, su- Surprise! Yes, if you're a Luminef player, that the Shining Company has had a change as well. So this was this is an allegiance ability for the Luminef, and basically if you deployed your unit in uh, base contact, so each model was in base contact with two other models, um, you could set up as a Shining Company, which would um, impose a minus one to hit penalty on the opponent. Um, the, the the sort of drawback to that was that you couldn't declare any charges or or um, runs. Um, and if you ever broke Shining Company, so say you wanted to declare a charge later on that turn, you had to declare at the beginning of the turn you were going to make a charge at the beginning of your movement phase, sorry, that you, you broke the Shining Company because you intended to do something later on. Uh, you couldn't reform it again. There were some very niche sort of um, scenarios where you could reform Shining Company, where if you removed a unit from the board and, and redeployed it, for example, uh, but very, very niche sort of scenarios. Um, so yeah, so so it was like, uh, okay, I've got this defensive ability, but it's sort of limiting my offensive capability of these units. Now it is, um, well, currently it is a ability that's sort of just printed onto the War Scroll of um, the Venari Blade Lords, the Venari Dawn Riders, and the um, Venari Sentinels, um, Shining Company, and basically it, the effect is still the same. You subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target this unit if the base of each model in this unit is touching the bases of two or more models in the same unit. But that's it. There's no drawback anymore. You don't lose it if you charge. You don't lose it if you run. Um, you basically, as long as you keep those models touching each other for the entire game, you're going to be getting that 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 defensive bonus for the entire game, which is quite nice. Yeah, and there's there's you've got to be careful because when you come to combat and piling in, you could very easily pile in such a way that you're no longer touching two models, in effect turning it off. 
Also, there's a few like spells and abilities that can allow an enemy to move you. So, corn, for example, I think you've got one that can can move an enemy unit. Um, but outside of that, you're, you're pretty much sorted, aren't you, with that on all the time? As long as you're, and I'd say honestly, use movement traits so you're not accidentally moving things out of base contact. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it was always a if you moved out of base contact previously, uh, you lost it. Um, so that you know, if if a corn player was able to use that ability on 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 the the, the current version of the the Venari units, you'd lose Shining Company and you'd lose it for the entire game. Whereas now, a corn player does that on you in turn one, and you just reform again. You just make sure in your movement phase, you move them into base contact again, and they've got Shining Company again. So it, it, it's 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 much more improved than than the previous version. And like I say, there's there's not really any drawback to it anymore. So aesthetically uh, but, as well, you've kind of got the nice like ranks of elves then as well, haven't you, on the table? Yeah, it does look cool um, with all the, um, especially the wardens with the big pikes, the big spears. They look really cool all lined up like that. Um, but yeah, but we'll see. I, I remember the, the recent battle box I looked at with the Sylvan F War Scrolls. There were quite a few changes when we got the tome. So uh, uh, yeah, so there we go. So the, the, the Dawn Riders and Blade Lords themselves, other than the Shining Company change, there's no change to those to those units. It's really just that, that, that Sentinel unit that's had to change, which it, obviously I, I think is for the better. Yeah, I, do, you know, do you know what I, I'd like to see? Cause I, I I don't think I've ever actually played against the Lumen F, but when yes, I've watched, have, Dave, yes, you have because my um, oh yeah, I've played you, Avellador. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tying up my Morkrisha. Aside from yourself, Jay, I don't think I've played anybody else's Lumen F armies. But when I've looked around tournaments and stuff, you don't see at all really any of those pike guys. So it'd be good to see them in some people's lists. Yeah. Um, on the Zine side of things. There's quite a few changes. So the Cursling is the is the named character in the box. He's got a new profile. He's now got an 18-inch, three attacks, hits on threes, wounds on threes, minus one rend, one damage, range attack. I have got terrible luck with uh, Chaos casters casting their range attack. I don't think mm. I've ever hit with them, have I, Dave, when I fought you? You're uh, good, Summoner. Jeez. He either doesn't hit or he hits and fails to wound. Yeah, so I suspect he's got three shots to Kirsten, so he might actually do something this time. Um, his, his rules have changed a little bit. Previously, he had an ability to steal a spell off the opponent and cast it himself. So, uh, you know, if if there was a really good spell that your opponent had, he could potentially use it. Now, the problem with that is there's a few interactions now with spells. They tend to say... Say a Luminous spell might say friendly Luminous, mightn't they? So it wouldn't really work if the Cursling stole it. So his profile's been reworked where in the hero phase, he picks an enemy wizard within 18 inches, rolls dice. On a four plus, that wizard can cast one less spell and that can go to zero and the Cursling can cast one more spell. Oh, that's cool. So it's a bit more defensive in like turning off a spell cast from an opponent. It's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So so that's pretty cool. Um, he's also got a spell barrier of fate that gives a um, Zinch unit a six plus ward save as well. So again, that's that's pretty cool as well. So really, he's more so about turning off those spell casts from um, from an important caster. Now, I, I, Luminous is a bad example because you're probably going to have Teclas who's casting like a million spells anyway. But there's certain armies where I don't know. Your orcs, Dave, you've probably got maybe one wizard, maybe one or two casts. Having one of those taken from you can really kind of change your plan, can't it? 
Yeah, it's almost as bad as not being able to use your command points, Jay, um, with uh, Total <laughs> yeah. Eclipse. Um, but yeah, you're right. I've got like a caster with one spell. That's it. In most of my armies. Yeah, so so I think he'd be pretty handy for, for that. Um, he's not super cheap. Uh, he costs 175 points for the benefit of doing that. But I think against some armies, you can really neuter the magic phase with that. So that's cool. Uh, Zango Enlightened have ever had a bit of a rework. Their main ability now is that units within three inches of them cannot receive commands in the command phase, which is mm. really good. Fly a unit of these in, you've turned off um, all out defense, all out attack, any kind of shenanigans like that makes them a really good kind of like tactical unit now. They've got a strange ability as well, where they're wounding on twos, which is amazing if you're the player who went second during that phase, um, which is, it's, I, I, I imagine that the, um, the Zangor Skyfires, they've got a rule called Guided by the Future. This rule is called Guided by the Past. So I imagine they'll do something if you go first. So this might be a situation where there's other stuff within the Zinch book that kind of interacts with that different ways. I mean, Wounded on Twos is crazy good, but um, it's ve- that's very situational. That it only works when you're going second. But, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Zinch has written fate in such a way that it will work perfectly. Uh, really taking these guys to fly in and turn off command abilities. Really good ability. Uh, Kyrick Acolytes have had a big change. They are no longer wizards. Okay. So they used to be with every unit, pretty much in his ninja army, give or take, used to be a wizard. Karakakalites can no longer cast spells, which is a shame. Um, they, um, they've they got um, some cool stuff that you can still do. Basically, a lot of the stuff in the book, paired blades used to let you re-roll, and now they give you extra attacks. Instead of taking that, you can take a shield that gives you a ward save. Because you've got the cursling that can hand out ward saves, you can now safely take extra close combat weapons for more attacks to make them more of a blender unit, but still have the cursling to give them that uh, six plus ward save. So again, a, a bit more synergy going on there. Uh, they've still got the Volkarak, which if an enemy wizard casts a spell within 18 inches, on a four plus the wizard suffers a mortal wound. So your Luminous, for example, casting their spells, Jay, one of these within 18 inches, just dealing mortal wounds all over the shop. Mm, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, and then finally, we've got the Zangor. Similar situation. Their profiles changed a little bit. They now wound on threes for, for most of their weapons. Uh, again, you can give them a second close combat weapon to get more attacks. Um, a lot of their abilities have changed a little bit. They used to get more attacks if they had a bigger unit. That's now based on the close combat weapons. Ornate Totems has also changed as well. Um, again, it drives around the number of wizards that the opponent has, which, again, is a nice, I guess, example in this battle box where pretty much the entire army is wizards in Lumineth, isn't it? Uh, at the end of the combat phase, if this unit has any icon bearers, you pick an enemy unit within three inches, so the unit they're fighting. You then roll a dice for every enemy wizard within 12 inches of the Zangor, for each four plus, the unit in combat with you takes D3 mortal wounds. Ouch. So, wow. yeah, big horde of Zangor hit something like on a Luminous battle line. That is a lot of mortal wounds. That's before you even factor in the million attacks that the Zangor get. So, mm. Again, situational. And there's certain armies that will do an awful lot of damage to. But 
for example, against your Rorks, if you use that example again, maybe not so. So Zinch are really kind of looking like the anti-magic army, considering they're probably the second magiciest army compared to the Lumineth. So I think, yeah, I think Lumineth Zinch will be a tough fight for the Lumineth now. It'll certainly be um, a close one to call, I think. There's lots of abilities on both sides that may, may counter each other. Um, I've always been tempted by Zeech, and all you're doing is, is further tempting me, Matt. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's really cool. Um, obviously, these te- kind of things tend to be like while stocks last. Um, essentially, the, 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 the price of the box, I think, off the top of my head, is like the price of the, the Zeech stuff in there. So you get an Illumineth army for free. Um, yeah. If you can split it with a friend, you get an, a, 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 you know, from Element, I think it's probably 120, maybe even less than that, 108. Split it with a friend, you essentially get an 800 points each army for 60 quid. Wow. That's really so, good. Yeah, so uh, the, the good ways to start an army is, and, and the content in this one, I think, is is good to expand an existing player to. I've got a Zinch army, but it's all demons. I don't have any mortal stuff, so with this, I suddenly had a 800 point shot in the arm on my zinch army so mm. yeah it's obviously if you if you don't collect both of these or you just want the characters then they do come out eventually don't they the individual characters in the boxes yeah yeah they do they do and they're coming out a little bit quicker now as well it usually yeah, yeah. usually when the next battle box arrives we see the previous ones get released separate yeah um sometimes even when the battle terms come out too Mm, but yeah. um yeah so it's a really cool box um obviously if you play one of the factions recommended it i'm just really excited to see what's uh what's in these battle tomes now yeah hopefully we'll find out very very soon uh maybe again we'll we'll see a reveal next uh wednesday or thursday at nova we'll just have to wait and see thanks for further attempting me to buy as each army matt um that was a great run through of arcane cataclysm uh again i will pop a link in the podcast notes so you can check out the unboxing and review at your leisure uh we are slowly getting towards the end of this week's podcast but we do have the community top three and our top three coming up so keep listening So we've got a brand new box for Kill Team on the horizon into the dark, which is going to take us onto a space hulk. Um, and in honor of that, Matt decided last week to set us the challenge of picking out three dream kill teams we'd like to see in the game. So quite a fun one and um, quite a broad one. You could be pretty wacky on this or pretty sensible, however you want to do it. Uh, we're going to run through our choices first. And then obviously to end um, episode 199, we will be looking at what you guys in the community have chosen as your top three. Um, now, I don't think I pick on you um, enough, Matt, in the top three <laughs> to go first. So we're going to we're going to go straight to you. What, what's your top three? So I've pretty much gone for awesome stuff that Matt wants to see over the next 12 months, basically. Um, so for my number three choice i have gone for a faction that we've seen some models of in 40k but uh, i want to see more desperately and that is the dark mechanicum Ooh. i could see uh i could see abaddon sending in a, a specialist dark mechanicum crew to maybe look through the gallo uh, dark and see if there's any you know technology uh stcs stuff that they want to take and insert a demon into because that's what they tend to do 
And I think in a kill team, you could have some really weird and wacky stuff there, couldn't you? You could. Uh, you, know, you could. We've seen, a, you know, we've seen the, uh, and the, I forget what they call it, like the techno thrall things out of um, uh, Blackstone Fortress. But yeah. I think we could, you, you could even have it kind of. I'm thinking like the um, the, the new, um, I forget the torments for for the chaos space marines the, the the cultists that have got little ones and big ones and a bit like the um the galapox guys from the rogue trader box mm. you could do like a, a a sprue with lots of different models on that's not necessarily you know doesn't have to be playable in 40k but gives you a nice unique kill team force with some weird stuff mm. you know you could see them creating some boarding specialist demon robot things because mm. they don't need to breathe, do they? They can just swim <laughs> through space and bore a hole in the side of a spaceship. <laughs> so yeah, proper proper wacky weird stuff. Uh, so I think that'd be really fun. My second one's slightly connected, but um, we've got lesser demons for for all of the gods now. We've got pretty much an entirely plastic chaos demon range. But I feel like there's one thing that we're missing that does have some overlap for heresy and for 40k potentially signal as well and that is unmarked lesser demons i would like to see a bellicor's unmarked demons kill team with just pure chaos they're not coalesced into an emotion or anything they are just raw primordial chaos and these are like the demonic foot soldiers of bellicor in the same way that the chaos legionnaires are his mortal followers you know you can have a lot of the design elements of Bellacor on there as well and they'd have the dual purpose of filling out those lesser demon choices for heresy as well with it being a kill team box as well you could have an upgrade sprue where there's some unique aesthetic things which then give them different profiles in the book as well i think that'd be really really fun yeah yeah that's and, a good idea that one and finally we're on a space hawk aren't we space hawk was based on possibly one of my favorite films alien now you've, you can't have a space hawk without having gene stealers running around it can you and the current gene stealer kit is a little bit long in the tooth now i'm pretty certain that we will see this over the next 12 months since we're on a space hawk and space hawks seem to be invested with gene stealers but uh yeah i'm gonna go for it brand new gene stealer kill team amazing looking sculpts all sorts of different gribbly bio upgrades that make different profiles within the kill team. It's it's probably gonna happen, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's gotta happen. Yeah, so I, I think that'd be really fun. Now, a little little sneak at the top threes, but um, people have mentioned you could potentially put a lictor on the same sprue in the same way that the crute sprue has got crute hounds on. I think that's yeah. a really cool idea as well. Good, yeah, good call. Very good call. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, like I say, I think we're going to get it. Um, I, I just want it now, basically, because I love me some gene stealers. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right, moving on to uh, moving on to my top three. Um, for my third choice, um, I've gone for a box which almost seems like well, it's absolutely a perfect fit. Um, and I would get these built and painted tomorrow. If they were, um, if if they got kill team rules, I would like to see kill team rules for Gorn's ghosts. Gorn's ghosts, yeah. You know what? I'm surprised that we haven't because they seem perfect fit for the kill team. Yeah, they've got yeah. the individual sort of specialists in there. Yeah, yeah, I I just I just don't get it. I mean, 
yeah, I all, all I need is a real good reason to get those built, and I'll 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 get them built and, and painted. And I think Kill Team would be the perfect in. They've all got their own specific roles. Absolutely, that that seems like a no brainer for me. Um, my second choice. Now we do have Primaris Kill Teams already. Personally, I think they're a little bit boring. Aside from the Phobos ones, the Phobos ones are a bit more interesting, where you've actually got more individual roles, um, thanks to, I can't remember what the Kill Team box was called, whichever one it was. Um, however, what I would like to see um, is a Death Watch Primaris Kill Team. So you could have a Death, you can currently have a Death Watch Veteran Kill Team, where you've got all your different weapon options and things. But I would like to see a specific Death Watch one, where you can take some more of those kind of like wacky combinations of weapons that other Space Marine chapters can't take. Um, you, you can't, you know, you can't take like Thunder Hammers and stuff in the Death Watch Codex as it currently is, or um, Storm Shields or anything like that. I'd like to see that changed as well. But maybe Kill Team is the way they change that first. You know um, what? That seems that seems a perfect fit for putting out a new yeah. Death Watch kit, doesn't it? Like it you does. say, it's a no brainer. And then and then they can fold that into the next Death Watch Codex when they get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for some reason though, I, I, I just don't feel like they're going to do that. I don't I don't feel like they're gonna update the Death Watch veterans into Primaris. I don't know why. I just have this feeling. Um, kill team, kill team on a space hawk filled with aliens does seem a good time to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, my top choice though was really easy. Sometimes my top choices are a little bit hard. Um, not this week. For my top choice, I have simply gone for an inquisitorial retinue. Yeah. Um, I, an inquisitor leading a bunch of, you know, even if they're sort of very similar to the um. What were the rogue traders called? The Star Strider. The Star Strider, yeah, which is a rogue trader yeah. and her crew. With like the men at arms, and then she's got a couple of characters like the Death Cult Assassin and stuff. I'd love to see something like that for the Inquisition. Some acolytes, maybe a Jakero uh, weaponsmith, um, some crusaders with stu- um, shields and swords. Uh, that'd be really cool. All in plastic, uh, all tied around their lead Inquisitor. You know what? Yeah, that that, that then, replaces a lot of resin and metal models in the range as well in a single box. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I yeah, I do think we will see this. I think seeing a rogue trader crew, it, it absolutely opens the door for us to see an inquisitorial one at some point. Probably to fall alongside a book. I don't know, maybe Codex Imperial Agents. <laughs> um, that would be an absolute dream. I you haven't written that yet, Dave. It would have been quicker, wouldn't it? It would have been I guess, quicker I guess, for me to write Honestly, Kill Team seems a better fit for it. Because I guess, realistically, would an Inquisitor come with an army? There'd probably be a Inquisitor attached to the army, wouldn't it? Where, yeah. more likely, they go on spec op missions and do cool stuff. Absolutely can see that happening in Kill Team. Yeah, yeah. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we get that soon. Um, but that that is that is my top three. And that just leaves UJ to, to run through yours. Cool. So my top three is it was all sort of centered around the space hulk, the new setting for this edition of Kill Team. You're on a on a on a hulk. So I was trying to think of kill teams that would be cool in that sort of setting. And um, the, the first thing that sprung to mind to me were Blood Angels Terminators, obviously oh, yes. in the special game. But you know, Primaris Terminators, the new for, you know of the Terminator armor for for the Primaris range. Um, I think that could be quite cool. You may only have three or four or five Terminators or Terminator equivalents in your kill team, 
Um, you'll have one with two lightning claws, a heavy flamer. You know, you get the apothecary, perhaps a librarian. I think that could be quite cool. Uh, to go against, against your gene stealers. Yeah, well, yeah they'd be in the same box, clearly. Blood Angel, Primaris, Terminators versus Gene Stealers. We'd all buy that box, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know what? That's that's a really nice way of introducing quote marks Terminators mm. into the Primaris list, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Ahead, just, ahead of a, a new edition of the Space Marine Codex. Yeah. Just, just on a side note, obviously we've got Gravis Armored, Armored Marines. Do we think that when inevitably terminators are redone for primaris do you think we'll see them in gravis armor or do we think that there'll be another armor for them you know what so, i wouldn't i wouldn't surprise me if it was primaris saturnine armor use some of that retro old concepts and stuff that we haven't really seen in the modern game yeah i think it needs to be different than gravis myself gravis is only three plus save no invulnerable terminator armor Two plus five plus invulnerable, four plus invulnerable for your cataphracty and the heresy. You know, I'd like to say let's go old school. In in when I played the game, Terminators have a three plus save, but they got to roll two, two d six. six. Yeah, <laughs> and that'd still work with the current AP mechanic as well. It would, yeah. So that's my number three choice. Make that happen. Blood Angels versus Gene Steelers. Um, my second choice is um, linked to the upcoming Leagues of Votan, Ooh. and I can see, I can see. Kinbands of these guys, a bit like the Ironhead um, prospectors, um, yeah. you know, salvaging space hawks that enter their territory. Teams that are, you know, they're geared and kitted out uh, just for this purpose of boarding space hawks, cutting through the bulkheads, you know, fighting down narrow corridors, looking for tech and and resources to take back to their to their um, their clan holds. Um, and you could have all sorts of specialists in this. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, from all of the um, the, the new Votan models we've seen. I'll take one from each of the squads we've seen, you know, the, the Cofonian <laughs> Berserker, one in a big hulking exosuit. He's your heavy weapons guy. Um, I think that might be quite cool. And, uh, you know, um, it just adds another unit to the to the Codex as well, really. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. Uh, yeah, so then, I can absolutely see that happening. Yeah, these guys tasked with, with, with boarding the Space Hulk to see what treasures they can retrieve. And again, um, again on the on the on the alien vibe, that's essentially what the crew of the Nostroma were doing, wasn't it? Yeah. Boarding ships just... and salvaging it. Perfect. <laughs> Throwing a big ribbly alien, you're fine. Uh, my last choice um sort of ties into the what Space Hulk are, you know, where they've come from, how they even get created. These are big like amalgamations of all kinds of different spacefaring craft that have been sort of jam together you've got you know ancient tech on there from ten thousand years ago from the from the uh, dark age of technology traveling briefly through the warp appearing in real space at various times sometimes far in the future sometimes back in time uh, they don't obey the laws of the physical universe um i was actually flicking through the gorkamorka uh, rule book last night <laughs> and gorkamorka is actually set on a planet called um angelis and mm. Angelus was um, was it wasn't a paradise planet, but it was in a lot better shape um, prior to uh, w- w- the, the, the I say present day Gorkamoka. I don't know what timeline or year Gorkamoka was was set in, but um, it was a spacehawk that actually um, plowed into sort of entered uh, real space near the planet and then crashed into the planet, tore a big groove through the through the through the planet, and 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 you know parts were flying off of it. And, and and all um, contact with the uh, human explorator teams on the, on the planet was lost. Of course, then you've got your setting for Gorkamorka. So I reckon these space hooks 
you know, I don't think it would be outside the the, the realms of probability that you've got you've got kill teams that have been fighting on the Space Hulk, entered the warp, reappeared in real space, you know, some ten thousand years later. You know, yeah. you may have you may have kill teams from the Great Crusade era. Fighting. Well, I, I think you can see where you're going, Jay, and I'm going to love it if this is going the way I think it's going. <laughs> fighting on, on, on a space talk. And, you know, they, they bump into into a 40k space and like, hang on, are we brothers? You know, you could have traitor legions that still think, you know, the Horus Heresy hasn't happened in their timeline. And yet there they are in the 41st millennium fighting on the space talk. You like the tyrannies. We often go around Warhammer Worlds, Matt, and you often point out those those really borky looking tyrannids from back in the day, <laughs> which, you know, you can tell they were like a second edition rogue trader. You know, that's when these models were sculpted and, and, and they have a, a a charm to them, shall we say. That's a very polite way of putting it, James. <laughs> I love them. But you could you could re-sculpt in the same style. I mean, we've seen it with the Warhammer Plus um, Chaos Space Marine model that's coming out, and which just looks awesome, but it's definitely a throwback to that earlier sculpting, earlier artwork from the Warhammer setting. Uh, new plastic models sculpted, but with that aesthetic to represent Tyranids or Great Crusade era Legionnaires, even Thunder Warriors that have been Thunder stuck Warriors. on this space hulk for the last 10,000 years and just re-entered entered real space. Um, so, yeah, I think that might be quite cool. You know what? I I very nearly, instead of Jesus, did put reimagined second edition Tyranid Warriors because you could keep that look. Obviously, they look, you know, the, let's face it, the Khan effects looked ridiculous back then. You can take that concept, though, and make it something mm. different. And that, that, I guess, looks more xenomorph-like, I guess. Yeah. Well, they've shown, they've shown how they can take a piece of old artwork, an old model, and basically keep it exactly the same, but make it look awesome in, against today's sort of uh, models and, and, and sculpting techniques and things. Yeah. A lot of the old models they brought back, I've just, I, I thought, are, are fantastic. And I mean, that Chaos Space Marine is just the latest, latest one, um, the Chaos Terminator. Yeah, I mean, arguably the leagues of Otan are. You, you hated the squats, didn't you, Jay? But they've taken the concept of squats and turned it into something awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, J- Jay finished us on a right high there with uh, some, uh, yeah, some warp shenanigans going on. Um, some really cool ideas. Uh, it, there's a lot they could do with Kill Team. I don't know if they're going to be that daring, but you never ever know. Um, I think we should open the floor to the community to finish off this week's podcast. So we're uh, one final break, and we'll be right back. So as always, before we close off this week's podcast. Uh, we do have our community top three picks and you guys have not let us down across social media. So I'm going to start us off over on Facebook and uh, Hive Trash has picked their top three. Uh, welcome. Don't think I've seen you before. Comment over on our Facebook. Um, I'm going to read them in reverse order because I like their third choice better. <laughs> Just a good way to end. <laughs> but they've gone for the Inquisitorial Retinue as their top choice. Their second choice is a more regimental specific guard kill teams, uh, Katajan, Valhallen, etc. This would also oh, be nice. a good way of reviving the old regiments via classic releases. Absolutely a great idea. I know Jay would be all over a Valhallen, Matt, you'd be yeah. all over Katajan. Um, yeah. I'd be tempted by Katajan as well. But it's his third choice that, that made me laugh the most. Grot Commandos, because why not? 
We've got one we've got one already, haven't we, in, in Kill Team, so why not the more? The, uh, the, the, the scuba the bright yellow scuba gear making stand out with his uh, black stealth suit, it's amazing. Yeah. Sean Gleason, his third choice is the uh, is an Ogrin brute squad. Good shout. Ooh, his yeah. second choice is an Inquisitor in Retinue. And his top choice will please Jay, a Votan mining expedition with robots. Oh yeah. Very cool. Dylan has gone for an Eldar Aspect Warrior Force as his third choice. Maybe a way of getting another plastic aspect kit in, Jay. Yeah, um, some Shraggy Scorpions or something like that would be quite cool on a space hall. Yeah. Mm. Uh, his second choice is a Dark Eldar Homunculi Harvesting Party. That sounds fun. Ooh, nice. Not the kind of party I would want to get involved in. <laughs> um, and Inquisitorial uh, Acolytes as his top choice. A popular one so far. Uh, Jeff Kemp has gone for Catching Jungle Fighters as his third choice. A Necromunda gang that made it off-world and are now Soldiers of Fortune. Uh, that I don't know why, but I got Guardians of Galaxy theme like um thing like vibe going from that. See, I was I was good with A team myself. Yeah, in space, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, but his top choice is the Dark Mechanicum. Uh, finally, on Facebook, Jack Harkness has gone for a 40k version of Hexbane's Hunters. His second choice is the Catalan Jungle Fighters. Uh, but he's putting brackets or any other cool guard regiment. I'm not fussy. And his top choice is some sort of Imperial Fist Breacher Squad to go with the latest Space Hulk style kill team. Oh, yeah. So there you go, Jay. Imperial Fist love there in, as well. Uh, what do we have on Twitter, Matt? Well, Jem Duduku says uh, they did it with the Creek. So how about the Steel Legion? Yes, that'd be ace. Uh, the Dark Mechanicus, great way to test the waters if people want that army, which we do. Uh, and uh, a whole team of Slith. Slith, these four armored snake men currently only have one model. Why? So these are the, uh, what are they call the, the um, Archeon Court. Yeah. yeah. So weird snake people, that'd be really cool. I think more weird Xenos stuff would be cool in Kill Team. Uh, Jem Jackson, who coincidentally I didn't meet at the uh, the event over the weekend. So hi, Jem, how's it going? Um Imperial Fist Aspirant team drawn from the gangs of Necromunda. So I think Jay mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, Necromunda is actually a recruitment world for the uh, for the Imperial Fist, and, and some of the lucky gangers may well get drafted into the Imperial Fists. So that's quite cool. I'm thinking kind of a um, Suicide Squad kind of vibe yeah. of various gang members who've been sent in to do their um, test exam by being flung onto a space hawk. And if you survive, awesome. You're in the Imperial Fists. Um, <laughs> Mechanicus tech recovery stealth teams for the stuff that they really want, but they really shouldn't touch. That's <laughs> pretty cool. And Necron Treason Trans Temporal Treasure Acquisition Team. Gem, that has a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, full robot or mind shackled specialists. Creed, anyone? Ooh. Berserk says Gene Stealer and Lictor Stalker Brood for sure. Can imagine this is on a lot of people's lists. A Secutari Force, that's the uh, the Titan Guard. Um, and Necron Canoptic Kill Team, made up of Wraiths and Scarabs. That's a really good shout as well. Um, Andrew Jameson says, ooh, this is a good one. In no particular order, Astra Militar and Penal Squad, including Neck Brace Bombs, the Dark Mechanicum, an Inquisitorial Warband, and rules for Kill Team in Horus Heresy. Again, that would be pretty cool. 
Uh, average paint wins. I'm sorry, but average paint wins. I'm going to do his number two first, if if, if that's the rules now, Dave. Uh, <laughs> number number three, he's got Eldar Exodite Scouting Party with a dinosaur. I mean, that's pretty awesome. His number one was Primaris Death Watch, Death Watch Veterans, but his number two is the superior one and beats everything that we've come up with. Uh, the Red Gobbo's Grot Revolution Kill Team. <laughs> Why did I think of that? That's amazing. Um... Oh, JP Riley has also got an amazing one. Catachin Jungle Fighters with weapon loadouts, the same as the guys in Predator versus Lictus in a box with jungle terrain. Genuinely, yeah. genuinely, I was tempted to say a guard box that could that could basically allow you to reenact Predator. I, I genuinely was going to pick that. Um, that's a great choice. Yeah, um, an Inquisitor in his retinue, which could be used to make 40k Inquisitors, and a Drakari team read by a Ronin-type Incubi. That's pretty cool. Uh, Nevermore says, Elicta Infiltrator Kill Team. There's a lot of Elicta love on here. Uh, the Leagues of Votan Merchant Delegation and a Drakari Hunting Party. Uh, Mod Hale says, since they're doing a Marine team anyway, I'd like to see proper boarding party with Breacher Shields. Proper civilian pirates with a mix of humans and xenos, that'd be ace. Leagues of Votan salvage crews, and the inhabitants of the wreck, be they genes of the cult, feral crew survivors, or xenos wildlife, that'd be interesting. Since we've got like monsters and stuff in, in Warcry, yeah, what about the, the stuff that's just living on the Space Hawk as like NPCs or something? That'd be really fun. <laughs> Uh, Who lives on a space hawk? (laughs) (laughs) Who lives in a space hawk like this? (laughs) Um, Carter Benton says, Dark Mechanicum with demon-possessed weapons and equipment, uh, an Inquisitor warband with plastic acolytes, and conscript slash penal colony, ace. And finally, Jack says, an Alpha Legion infiltration team, demons slash cultists of Bellicor, and a Tyranid infiltrator brood of gene stealers led by a lictor. Mm. Yeah, you guys really didn't let us down this week. There's some excellent suggestions in there. Um, look forward to hopefully somebody at GW listened to this podcast and bringing some of those, some of those to life. That would be incredible. Um, we can we can but hope. And um, leads me to ask a question, Matt. Seeing as it's episode 200, next do do we have a top three? We 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 had the only top three we could have. We don't even want a top three. We just want the answer to a single question. What is your favourite sprue, and what is your favourite brew? Now we will be putting a tweet and a Facebook uh, status out uh, closer to the recording of episode two hundred, but with plenty of time for you to um, get your answers in. Um, at this point, um, just in case you missed the last episode. We will be having a week break before episode 200. So episode 200 will not be out next week. Um, we're having a week off because um, Jay is on holiday and there's a couple of things going on. Um, so we're looking to record on Monday, the 5th of September for hopefully release. I say hopefully uh, release on the 6th of September, the following day. Um, so, uh, yeah, just a bit of an advance heads up that. We have got a week off um, to prepare ourselves for the epic milestone that is episode 200, which I'm really looking forward to recording with you guys. Yeah, it's uh, 
bit of a milestone, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Let's hope that nothing really bad happens between now and then. I mean, what could happen in a week? At that point, I think we shall say goodbye. Um, have a great fortnight of hobby, I guess. Uh, and we'll uh, speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Ah, well, well, guys, before you log off, I've just been passed a package which I've been waiting for for ages. What have you, what have you ordered, Dave? So I found this website, right? And they were selling... I thought it was just a replica, right? But it's an actual plasma pistol. An actual plasma pistol. <laughs> an actual plasma pistol. So, um, I mean, who's going to say no to an actual plasma pistol? It was the last one as well. So uh, I bought it. Um, <laughs> do you want to buy a bag of magic beans as well, Dave? Do you, with your actual plasma pistol. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd, um, you know, I've got it. I've, I've got it here. I'll, you know, to quickly unbox it. Um. Looks very imperial. Lots of keylers across this. You know, the scroll. We don't need to read that. Um, I kind of want to switch it on. Where, where's the overcharge button? I guess like you've got it. If you've got a plasma pistol, Dave, you absolutely need to overcharge it. Okay, okay, okay. I, I can do this. I can do this. I think I just. I think I just have to press this. No, oh, Dave. No.